You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Merry Christmas, my beautiful brainiacs, or happy three-day weekend, whichever one applies to you. In addition to the new episode this week and the reruns of the last two Christmas specials, I've got something completely different for you now. This past summer, it was my pleasure to be interviewed on the Genuine Chit Chat podcast, hosted by an absolutely cracking chap out of jolly old England. We got on like a house on fire and decided to do an episode where we compare and contrast and explain the way Christmas is celebrated in the two relative, similar yet distinctly different cultures, as well as holding each other personally accountable for the nuances of that culture. I got to talk not only to the host Mike, but also to his girlfriend Megan. Megan has also lived in Spain and Italy, so she was able to broaden our horizons even further. And just like any good conversation, it does run a little long. Believe it or not, I took a bunch out, but couldn't bring myself to take out more than I did. So I hope that you have a lovely, safe, enriching day, and enjoy the show. Okay, to give you an idea of what my foundation of knowledge is in terms of British culture, uh... British TV. Not all of it, obviously. But my father and I used to watch um, Are You Being Served and Blackadder together. My husband and I watch a lot of British shows on YouTube, particularly uh, QI and Taskmaster. Those are big, big favorites. But we'll see these things that are clearly important. They're clearly cultural touchstones that just don't exist in the U.S. or that we have only a vague kind of understanding on. And one of the big ones that my impression is you couldn't have a U.K. Christmas without it, Christmas crackers. Will you tell the folks on my side of the pond, what is a Christmas cracker? I mean, glad I was actually surprised to find out that I only found out for sort of vague research of doing the podcast with you that Christmas crackers weren't a thing everywhere else. I, I knew they weren't because of Italy. So I'm You're half cultured. I'm half Italian. So And you've travelled. You've lived in Spain well, and France yeah, and stuff. But... You've travelled. I'm, not, I'm just stuck. <laughs> I've been in the same town in England for... But in, in Italy, they don't have Christmas crackers. And in Spain and France, they don't have Christmas crackers either. So whenever I... Yeah, but Italy has panettone, oh, yeah. <laughs> which makes up for a whole lot. That's like, that's like if brioche and cake had a sexy, sexy baby together. <laughs> um christmas crackers yeah they're they're a weird one i whenever i used to go to italy for christmas i used to take christmas crackers with me and my family would be like i don't understand what this is so well let's let's explain it so it's it's essentially a cardboard tube probably uh it's a toilet roll um the 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 plastic tube you get when you finish with a toilet roll it's essentially that but if it was sealed so you've got a sealed cardboard cylinder and then there are cardboard handles on it now the cylinder in the middle is filled with three things always three things no more no less (laughs) there is one tiny bit of paper that normally has some random bonus christmas fact that everyone knows because there's only like 20 of them and a joke and a christmas joke or a christmas Christmas riddle of some description okay so it's a christmas riddle you normally get two of the three and if you get the fancy crackers if you get the really expensive ones oh my gosh some crackers the prizes inside of them are absolutely cracking oh god am i right um (laughs) so you get this little piece of paper that has yeah as i said all these jokes and riddles and um facts that everyone's heard a million times because there's only about 20 
all together of all of them. So you just get the same ones every year, no matter yeah. what brand you and buy. And then you get a paper crown. You get the paper crown. That is, if you get the really, really, really expensive crackers that are like, you know, £20 for like six, or you get the <laughs> really, really cheap ones that are like a pound for six, they will both still have the exact same quality crown. I don't know what it is. And they will break immediately. So they're made out of tissue paper. Yeah. So it's like the thinnest paper you can imagine. And they're always really tight. They never fit on my head. They don't fit on anyone's head. Um, and then inside you also get a toy. Or like toy you get you, <laughs> you get you get a gift of some description. Sometimes the best one is the mini screwdrivers. You get mini screwdrivers. Mini get, nail clippers. <laughs> yeah, you can get mini nail clippers. Uh, you, get, you can get <laughs> Okay, I was picturing Cracker Jack prizes. Which I don't know if that has meaning I don't know what to that you is. guys. Okay, crack, Cracker Jack is caramel corn and peanuts oh. that c- comes in like an old timey little cardboard box. Um, and they were their big claim to fame was that there was a prize inside, like in a cereal box. And just like with the cereal prizes and and Happy Meal toys and stuff, they're getting cheaper and worse and less interesting over the years. So it might have started like as a uh, an actual toy with moving parts, and these days it's a sticker. Well, the thing is with ours is the difference is there's been no progression. So as in the no, toys always that been you rubbish. Get, the toys you get, I, I swear what happened is in like the 60s. There was this company that made Christmas cracker toys, crowns, and little bit slips of paper, and they supply every single cracker maker in the whole of Britain, and they always have done. They've never changed anything because you can also get giant paper clips. Um, you get what well, those little um, oh, there's those little fish. Yeah, the little fish that you put them on your <laughs> you hand. You put a fish in your hand, and then it starts curling up into different. <laughs> The thing is about Christmas crackers is that we haven't actually explained how you even use them. They, oh, yeah. they just, yeah, so they're, they're, they're cardboard, cardboard and then you... Attached to the cylinder. Yeah, then you hold it with someone and then you each pull so that obviously you're both pulling on it and then it breaks and then there's some sort of like... Uh, I don't know what it's called. It's like a spark in there. I think it's like... It's, like two bits it's not gunpowder. It's, like like, it's almost like two bits of cardboard stuck that together. friction together and yeah. then they make a spark. And you pull them apart. And it makes a noise. Yeah. And then the person who gets the bigger side wins the stuff inside of the Yeah, cracker. so it's basically just uh, cardboard handles on a cardboard cylinder. Both people pull the handles and randomly one of you will get the cylinder on your end of the handle and then you get that prize. And I can safely say that it is literally never me. It's always me. I never win. <laughs> I always win them. But people like to... The fun things at Christmas, is especially when you get like a teenager who's been doing it for like a few years they think they've got the knack and they're like oh no I know how to win the Christmas crackers I've got this method and whenever someone says that 100% of the time they will not get it they will not win it's it's just one of those things so you get terrible crown terrible jokes the gifts they're not even presents it's almost just like the mini screwdrivers are a gift they're great if you're moving out and you're young (laughs) but with it was my parents who were like you know at the time when I was like 10 they were like 14, 50 years old They've oh. got so many sets of these. Yeah, sometimes you can get a tiny, tiny little pack of cards. Oh, yeah. Like, like a so tiny, small. Sm- such a tiny little deck of cards. Like like the size of probably your thumb. Like yeah. that's the height of the cards. I mean, are the, the mini screwdrivers, are they suitable for like eyeglass repair? Because that, for me, would be very yes, handy. Yeah, yeah. That, that exact kind of screwdriver. Now, tangentially, when you're talking about who gets the bigger side wins... Do you guys do wishbones? Yeah, after... yes. Mike and I literally okay, did good. that so, yesterday because we had a roast. Okay, good. <laughs> see, see, we have that in common. Yay! All right, well, let's let's ask you then something because some of the craziest yes. things. I think eggnog is the big one. Yeah, because eggnog's okay. the thing we. I hear mean, about. it's a thing. I think we Adver- have it here. I think our, it, there's one brand of it you can get, and it's called Advocat. I do. I think it's imported from like Poland or yeah, something. yeah. But I don't really know what eggnog is. Nor do I. Well, then it's a good thing I'm here. <laughs> 
Now, eggnog, in its current state, you can think of it kind of like a holiday milkshake because it's a, a very thick, rich, sweet dairy drink with all of the warming spices that you'd expect this time of year, like cinnamon and nutmeg. Uh, the stuff you can buy ready-made in a carton, of course, pales in comparison to making it yourself. And just like with um, fruitcake and Christmas puddings and things like that, where you make it way, way, way in advance, and it just kind of gets better with age because uh, a good eggnog should be really, really, really boozy. <laughs> and it'll also keep forever because nothing can grow with that amount of brandy or whiskey or rum because everyone who's got an opinion about eggnog has their way of making it, which is, of course, the only way to make it. But eggnog actually has the same root, it's believed, as a posset. Um, that's kind of a set custard. The original posset was um, a warm ale drink with milk and spices. And one of the things about eggnog, it was for showing off wealth. Because to have all of this cream and fresh eggs and these exotic spices and the alcohol, you had to be doing decently for yourself, you know, middle class or better. <laughs> um, so because it's got those warming spices and you save it for special occasions, it became tied to the holidays. Colonists from England headed to the New World, brought it with them, and then somehow it stayed here and then kind of just fell out of favor <laughs> where it started and now it's being regarded as a weird american thing and like uh-uh no 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 we didn't come up with this we we might have kept it alive but we didn't invent it we've evolved past it and you're still stuck in it that's what i'm hearing here um here's, here's a question that links uh, it's kind of in line with the eggnog thing so it doesn't count as a second question sticking to that is um we often have i don't know if you guys did but bucks fizz so we have it where I always had it. it was, yeah, we have that. Yeah, so it's, well. it's orange juice with a small amount of champagne and it, or prosecco or whatever fizzy wine you desire, and it's basically that's a mimosa. Is it, that, it, that's what a mimosa is. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. mimosa is orange juice and champagne. I didn't know that. I don't we know why you specifically call it a Buck's Fizz, but it is basically a mimosa. Well, yeah. it's basically Buck's Fizz. It's meant to be called that because it's kind of like the equivalent, the wine equivalent of a shandy, but not quite a spritzer. It's like a wine spritzer, but fancy at Christmas. I just remember the only times I ever really have drank wine is when I was younger, and it would be Christmas morning and we'd have a meal or whatever, and then it would be, have a little, have a bit of Buck's Fizz. And I'd, you know, the amount of Prosecco or champagne I'd have in my Buck's Fizz was like, you know, quarter of a shot whereas my mum and dad would be more so half and half if not more we can't be like no if you drink in the morning you're a savage well, what if you put orange juice with it mm, classy <laughs> <laughs> um but eggnog uh doesn't sound like my cup of tea i'd be all i'd probably give it a go well, it's not tea it's eggnog i thought we established that. <laughs> oh sorry not, I, i'm just stuck on the tea <laughs> well, the funny thing is that we're neither really tea drinkers are we we're no quite, i'm not a tea drinker we're either. quite bad um anyway so questions more for yourselves um I mean, one thing I did want to ask is kind of, is, is with uh, Christmas and things specifically with uh, kids being good and kids being bad. Do you guys, if your kids are bad, do you threaten them with, we used to get threatened with coal. And, and then I used yeah, to just get told when we were younger, we only used to get tangerines or oranges. Yeah, we would get oranges and coal in our stockings if, you're if bad. we were bad. Yeah. But I don't know anyone who's ever had that. I think it was just threatened <laughs> to kids in like the 70s but i mean if it was in the 1920s that wouldn't be a bad gift would it no. <laughs> do you guys have that like a bad a th i mean generally when our kids are bad we just whoop their asses 
<laughs> I, that's how we handle it. Uh, no, the the coal, the threat of coal is absolutely a thing. The threat of citrus fruit, not as much. <laughs> and that actually, that really surprised me on there because there was there was a period of time where that would have been a, a splendid treat to have in one stocking. Uh, to have some citrus fruit because it was still coming from from very far away. You might get one, you know, and rather than just eat it whole, uh, people would actually juice it and then stretch that juice out with sugar water, kind of making uh, an orange aid so that they can, could enjoy their Christmas orange that much longer. So, uh, no, we don't threaten our children with groceries. We just threaten them with hydrocarbons. <laughs> and you can and you can buy candy, of course, that looks like coal. Um, and half the time it's black licorice, which is at least as bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's licorice awful. is one of those things where, obviously, in America you guys call it candy, and over here we call it sweets, because we're original and we describe things by how they are. That's why a drink is called bitter, which is also terrible. Um, but with sweets um, slash candy... The thing is, is that licorice, if anyone says licorice is a candy or a sweet, they're a liar because licorice isn't sweet and therefore yeah, licorice it's is also, gross. I mean, I don't no. mind aniseed, but I hate licorice. Look around, look at Google Finnish candy. They have an affinity not only for black licorice, but they like it salty. Oh, uh. I tell you what, that's not just a Finnish thing. I went to Iceland and they had the exact same thing. It must be a Nordic I, I, thing. Yeah, it's Nordic because um, I wonder if like licorice or aniseed or something that maybe because licorice is a root of something. maybe sort. it just it just grows there and nothing else does oh yeah because it says here in Finland um, Finland has basically the most prominent um, some of the most prominent licorice factories I think it says so it, it is it is weird that in Nordic countries because when I went to Iceland a couple of years ago I remember you know you go in the shop and you want to try all these crazy chocolates and things and so many of them had licorice in it was baffling they, they'd mix like they had like a whole little mini section of just licorice infused chocolates and sweets no, it's just ruining chocolate and and other and other goods. Um, what was I gonna? Crap! I had a bonus. Oh, yeah, uh, bonus fact. In Iceland, there are dating apps specifically to warn you if you're about to date someone you're related to. What? Because on the popula- because the population of the country is so small. That's crazy. They actually need an app to warn them you're actually second cousins with this person. Yeah, because there's there's about there's more sheep. Yeah, there's like a quarter million people or half a million people in the whole country. Yeah, yeah, it's literally in the in the city that we live in, uh, Southampton. Um, it we have two hundred and thirty odd thousand people living here, and I remember seeing some sort of plaque thing in Iceland. As you're right, I think it's around two hundred and fifty thousand people in all of Iceland, and so Iceland is way bigger than England. But if you think that a medium-sized city in England has basically the same population as the whole of Iceland, it's that just is crazy. <laughs> it is mental. Wow, every day's a school day, what, guys? Wait, every if you listen to Moxie's school. podcast, you're brain on facts. <laughs> it's kind of my thing. All right, okay. My next question, and this is something I just learned the existence of in the past week. You guys put a flag on the Christmas tree? I, I didn't know. I've never put a flag on a Christmas tree. Mm. Okay, maybe it's, maybe it's a generational thing then, it, because I... Th- it might be northern. Not not to be rude to our northern fellows, but there's a, quite a few random uh, English traditions where they've continued up north, but not down south. And obviously, we live in Southampton, so it's fairly quite south. Um, I should hope so, yeah. by the name. Well, to be fair, Northampton's only in the Midlands, so, you know, it makes no sense. <laughs> there's no wolves in Wolverhampton either, which is upsetting. Um, but, yeah. I, there's English... Uh, sorry, Megan's just... Um, she's on the phone uh, 
Ch- I'm, on, I'm on, on the, the phone. phone. No, I should have just said just <laughs> Google searching a flag on the Christmas tree and it's just coming up with loads of Union Jacks. I don't think I've even yeah. seen anyone even put anything Union Jacky I, yeah, I've never on seen a Christmas tree. I think it, okay, I see, I, I only saw the one reference to it. I think it was on QI. Yeah. Um, I do want to say, though, as well, QI is one of the greatest TV shows ever and I thank it's you amazing. for watching it. I just, it's, it's the best and I was worried I wouldn't like it when Stephen Fry left and then I absolutely fell in love with, with Sandy. She is great. Yeah, I think also with with the flag thing, I mean, at the top of our tree at the moment is a Mario star, so from Super Mario, because <laughs> uh, we're massive nerds, but mainly we have angels. Oh, I can, out, I can out-nerd you. Oh, can you? Uh, I have a an, uh, a Futurama-style Xmas tree. Oh, We yeah, actually have cool. an artificial palm tree with lights on it. That is incredible. Yeah. Good. We had a hypnotoad wedding cake. Yeah, I, I remember you saying Futurama is, is one of the reasons why I end up getting us watching more. Speaking of Futurama, I used it in my PowerPoint the other day at, at school. Nice. Because I was teaching the future tense. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, British wit. But regarding the flag, so I've, I've Googled it. So it it started in the 1800s. So it was to do with glass ornaments being imported into Britain from Germany, becoming a status symbol to have glass ornaments on your tree. And then the more that you oh. had, the better that you had your status. And then because the British Empire was growing and the most popular tree topper was the Union Jack, which is obviously the nation's flag. Sometimes there were flags of the empire and flags of the allied countries and trees ended up becoming very patriotic. Well, down south, we're not very uh, patriotic. I guess it's less of a thing now because, like, I don't know. I think it's just the south of England, if, if for any uh, people who aren't, don't live in England, it's I've described it many times on the podcast as it's the, the general stereotype of the south of America, of as in the south of the United States, you know, the southerners, the stereotype of them being less educated and more backwards uh, socially, and the more northern parts of America, you know, being more progressive and whatnot. In England, it's, it's basically the same stereotype that swapped. Swapped. It's reversed. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, because the the south was more agrarian, and the city centers, we had more large city centers in the north. It's a reverse uh, England to the U.S. North versus South. The one of my favorite moments on on the Great British Bake Off was um, they were setting up the Jaffa Cake technical challenge, and Paul Hollywood uh, dunks his Jaffa cake, and Mary Berry's face just falls, and she she gathers. And all this happens in a split second, but her face falls, and she gathers herself again, and just says. We don't do that in the South. <laughs> She's correct. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I don't like Jaffa Cakes anyway, but she wrong. is correct. Okay, now hold up. Back to back to truck up. What? She doesn't like chocolate orange. I don't like chocolate orange. Which is wrong. And also, they're not a cake. They're a biscuit. No, they're a cake. They're a Jaffa Cake. They're, they're, yeah, but they no, are. They're abs- it's absolutely a cake. They're, they went to court over that. Oh, yeah, they, they did. It's yeah. a cake. I'm wrong. You are wrong. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, goes, they're gross. It goes, when it go- <laughs> wrong. <laughs> it, it, apart from the way that it's leavened, when it goes stale, it gets hard. Whereas, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and don't get me started with the way the, the British English treats the words biscuit and pudding. It causes much confusion. Uh, I was so um, confused when I came to America. And so I stayed with my friend, uh, Mary, who is from North Carolina. And they offered me biscuits and i was like yeah sure and there should have been a pamphlet and then i had these like things that look like scones (laughs) they're very they're like they're like scones uh less dry um and they should be served with a sausage gravy otherwise there's really no point yeah here's the other thing unless you're having fried chicken then it's good yeah because then gravy Um, for you guys is a different thing as well isn't it it? because what color is your gravy 
brown. It depends on what you made it out of. Yeah, because here, gravy. Because you, you can have beef, beef gravy, turkey gravy, sausage gravy. I've seen a type of gravy. Is it- and in fact, Italian-Americans call uh, red sauce, they call, um, you know, red pasta sauce, what you guys call bolognese. They call that gravy in, in like, New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, there's... Oh, so that's the sausage gravy that you're talking about. So, yeah, I've Googled it. It's like this weird beigey (laughs) colour. Well, it's it's a milk-based gravy. So Uh, you just, you know, you you brown up some crumbled sausage, make sure you got, you know, uh, some black pepper and some red pepper flake, Uh, remove the sausage, add, uh, depending on how much grease you have left in the pan, um, add an equivalent amount of flour, give it a good whisk, let it cook off for a minute, and then add in some milk and let it thicken, put the sausage back in, Pour it over those biscuits and you're good to go. It's like scones and soup, isn't it? The, the biscuit thing still throws me off. I mean, I remember when I was, I think it was an episode of Family Guy or something, and they were like, oh yeah, let's go to KFC and get biscuits. And I was like, wait, what the, what? I was like, biscuits at KFC? What is that? Because obviously we, our biscuits. You, our biscuits are your cookies, no? But we have cookies over here. Yes, yeah, but sometimes you use biscuit to refer to cracker, what we would call a cracker, like a water biscuit. And uh, a friend of mine from, um, he was originally from Gravesend, Kent, he said, basically, if it shatters in your mouth and cuts up your gums, it's a biscuit. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We, yeah, we do well, have yeah. crackers as well. But it's basically crackers are basically just salted biscuits that generally go with cheese. Yeah. Whereas a biscuit is generally sweet and often has chocolate or butter, a lot of butter in it. Yeah. But yeah, biscuits are great. Okay, so then, so is, but is the word cookie then used in, in common parlance for... Yes, cookies. Got, cookies are different to biscuits. Well, no, but cookies are a type of biscuit, so we've got yeah. two variations. Yeah. So there's, there's, we've got there's a brand called Maryland that do the most popular uh, uh, biscuit Cookie. cookies here. It's basically just a circle of your cookie, but it's chocolate chip. So it's a chocolate chip cookie, and that's the same over here. Our cookies are a chocolate chip cookie. But the thing is, is that when we have say a cookie without chocolate chips in it, that's just a biscuit. That's not a chocolate chip cookie. So. It's, it's it's a weird, very slight difference, but also cookies. If you if you get bigger, you never get a giant biscuit, but you can get giant cookies. So like a biscuit is normally this is so stupid. This I realize so how ridiculous. ridiculous our bloody country is. Um, like a bi- every everything sounds bad when you explain it out loud. Yes. Uh, so a biscuit, if you think you can almost if you make like a circle with your thumb and uh, forefinger, you just that's the size of a biscuit. But a cookie can be anything bigger than that. So you can get cookies, you know the size of your head you don't get a biscuit the size of your head that's madness if a, if a biscuit becomes the size of your head it becomes a cookie <laughs> I mean, that's... Okay. no there are so many rules that's... I can't even keep I up mean, with this this is I mean, awful that is okay, so you've got, you've got crackers and biscuits and cookies, and cookies. Yeah. well this is going to lead us into the other confusing nomenclature and first I want to lay out for you everything that I know and then you can, can put everything in the correct place regarding the word pudding now, most American children will learn at some point that, oh, uh, in England, pudding means dessert, whereas pudding here means custard, typically, you know, comes in a little plastic container in your school lunch, nice. you know, or, or you made it from a box mix, you know, pudding. The word custard does get used in the U.S. sometimes, but typically we're talking about pudding. But then I thought, and so we grow up thinking, okay, in England, pudding means dessert. And then we start to wa- start watching British shows. They're like, oh, okay. So now pudding is a steamed thing made of beef fat <laughs> with vegetables on the inside. Yeah, what the f- is this that's even? Delicious. That's what it is. <laughs> Suet and pudding, so pudding is and, delicious. 
So pudding can can be your dessert, or it can extend to include haggis if you're, you know, a, a Robbie Burns fan. Can you please, just as you laid out cracker, biscuit, and cookie for me, <laughs> how the hell is the word pudding used? I honestly don't really understand why we have so many uses of the word pudding, because Mike, we were watching The Great British Bake Off recently, and Mike didn't realize that suet pudding was a, he didn't realize that that pastry was classed as a pudding. I don't really know what it is. It, I don't really get it. <laughs> I'm uncultured. This is why Megan's with me. You can tell by half the stuff. I just kind of ramble about nonsense. She yeah, knows I, I don't I don't really know why we have the term pudding as in a dessert and then also have it for like steak and kidney pudding, which is like kind of like a pie, really. Yeah, and then and then Yorkshire pudding, which oh, yeah. um, we we do have here to a lesser extent, but they're called popovers. Popovers. What because they popovers? Because they pop at least over. at least in the part of the country I grew up in, they were called popovers. Is that because the batter pops over the cating you put it in when they're done? I'm assuming so. It was so cute. I never asked any questions. <laughs> I mean, Yorkshire puddings I'm very familiar with. We had them the other day actually. We as had well. them. Yesterday. I have always questioned why. I, I just thought Yorkshire puddings were called puddings because they're made out of like a pastry. So I guess it's because they're made out batter. of a batter. Yeah, and batter. Yeah, but then batter and their batter is made but into. But so cake. are pancakes. <laughs> yeah. We don't have the answer to this, I'm afraid. No, we don't. Okay. And also, your pudding is is a chocolate mousse. Because yeah. whenever I think of pudding in America, I think of like pudding cups, and I've seen them in like high school films. Yeah, and that's yeah. It's it's that kind of thing. It's not moussey though. It 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 does. It's not fluffy or aerated. Isn't it? it so it's like so is it more no. It's, it's like just yeah, just like straight custard. But you can get chocolate flavor. Yeah, you should get chocolate. I don't know why you would bother with anything else <laughs> except the butterscotch. The butter, the butterscotch, oh, butterscotch snack pack. Now that's that's a blast from the past, right there. I mean, we with pudding. I mean, yeah. Normally, we do say dessert. I, if normally pudding, the term pudding is almost like a infantile way of saying dessert. Like hey, kids now. say, kids say, you know, do you want some? Yeah, I want some pudding. But kids don't say they want dessert. You, no, you a, always say that you have pudding after you've had like a pub meal. No, you can, yeah, pudding is at a pub. Pu- you say, yeah, you. Like, <laughs> Why are there so many rules? And why do we both know them exactly the same? Even though, oh, it... It's like those language rules, the, the things that make up your language that you're never taught, but if somebody said it differently, you'd be like, well, that's that, that's not how that works. We, we love that, because Megan's a languages teacher, so there's, we always... Oh, there you go, so you know. Yeah. My favourite one, as an example, and everyone listening to this can, in theory, speak English, and it is, you get rough, you put a TH in front o- of it, and it's O-U-G-H through, spelling. and you put a T-H-O in front of it, and it's thorough. So you've got thorough Oh no, our, this language is absolutely mental. It's oh, it really it is. is only exceptions and no rules, and I have huge respect for anyone with even a passing fluency in the English language because it's absolutely mad. We've just like made up our language and stolen it well, from Latin other people. And French and <laughs> oh, German. Yeah. I mean we've got all the Latin languages. Oh yeah, no, I did I got a whole thing about that in, in the Your Brain on Facts book. It's it's called Surprise Polyglot. And yeah, the, the English doesn't borrow from other languages. It knocks them out in dark alleys and goes through their pockets. <laughs> Just rummaging through those random little words that no one uses. Hey, let's have center RE. Why is that? No one knows. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, then we can get into the language simplification movement uh, in the US, which is when we stopped spelling words like color and neighbor with a U that had no business being there in the first place. Yeah, but then also we've got like. One thing I always find funny is your guys' use of H's as well, which is whenever people say, no one in America says herb, they say herb. Oh, yeah. So why don't, if you're so, you know, if you guys are so strong-arming and removing the U, why don't you remove the H as well? Just say herb anyway. 
Yeah. I, my, my father's name was Herbert, so I'm on both sides of this issue. <laughs> Sorry. Because, Marcy. you see, you see, he was a herb. We need the H sometimes. Oh, wow. Yeah, he there wasn't a piece of basil. The exception. Oh, yeah. Basil, basil. Oh, yeah, basil. That's another yeah, thing. That's well. another thing. Oregano. Yeah. But you do say zucchini. That one's the same. You see zucchini, which is the Italian it's word the for Italian courgette. It's the Italian word for courgette. Because obviously, yeah. I assume when uh, a lot of the Italians went over to America, um, when you guys sort of. What's the term? I say colonize, I guess. Migrated. Is probably the term. Yeah, migrated, colonized. Isn't it? Yeah, when there was uh, a large influx of uh, Italians in the uh, late 19th century, that could have been when the word uh, zucchini took root here. It is definitely when the hero worship of Christopher Columbus set in because, the, you know, the resident um, English descended people who had been looking down on the Irish now had people they considered to be colored to look down on and so the irish kind of got bumped up they got promoted because now now we're all looking down on the italians and the sicilians so the italians were like oh but columbus discovered america one of us and that's how we ended up with this hero worship that we're just now starting to undo see i had assumed that the word had been zucchini and the british used the french word to avoid using the language of your enemy from the great wars Hmm. It could be, but then again, we do... It's just so weird, though, because Italian and French both derive from Latin, so it's surprising that they don't have a similar word anyway. Well, is courgette some sort of derivative near a cucumber? Like, what's cucumber in French? Cucumbre. So I wonder if... I, I, maybe if courgette and cucumber, because they're the same sort of genus of plant, I think. Or, I have, or... No, they're completely no, they're completely, they? completely yeah, different. different really? Yeah, it's a, a zucchini is a squash. Yes. Yeah, oh, you have told me It's a before. summer squash. Yeah. That's mental. And a cucumber is a berry. It's a berry? Everything, everything is technically a, a berry. A watermelon's a berry. It's it's crazy. It's strawberries are not on the uh, though. I strawberries actually, are not. Yeah, berries. I did yeah, know seeds that on one. the inside make it a berry. So strawberry is the exception. Well, seeds on the inside make it a fruit, and then there's some other characteristics. Uh, green peppers are berries. It's um, and bananas are herbs. So it's ridiculous. What we don't even need to get at. <laughs> Do you have uh, parsnips? Oh yes. Now they're not as well known as they should be, but more and more people are. As the foodie culture has been such a thing for the past 10 or 20 years, more people are discovering parsnips. I love them. <laughs> yeah, I, I love parsnips. They're, they're, so so they're, they're a Christmas food for us. And the reason I asked yeah. about it is because, again, in Italy, they, they don't have parsnips. Oh, shame. I know. They're, they're losing out. I think my dad used to sometimes take some back in the, like in his luggage with him. Um <laughs> But yeah, if, sticking, if we keep on the, the sort of Christmas uh, theme, just because of what you just said there. So for Christmas, uh, I, I was interested that in America, do you guys have any uh, non-religious pre-Christmas traditions? So, for example, I think over here we don't really have any, except I know some people uh, on Christmas Eve will open one gift, and normally that's a very European thing. And normally, it's also bef- on Christmas Eve people get really, really drunk. But I think that's just a seasonal that's just any excuse to get, to get drunk things so i want to ask like on before sort of pre-christmas and then i want to ask about food as well do you do you guys have any sort of weird rituals i guess you'd call it i don't know that there's anything that is so widespread as to be viewed as the american christmas eve tradition mm. it varies so much uh regionally culturally and uh, f- from household to household. Like in my house growing up, I was one of uh, six daughters and we would do Secret Santa amongst the sisters and you'd, you'd have like 
five dollars because we're, we're small children you'd have five dollars to buy your secret santa gift and that was the gift that you got to open on christmas eve to kind of try to tide us over no, that's until cute. until the next morning um but we are on my mother's side uh she's her family's from czechoslovakia and they have a christmas eve feast called the Valea, which has to have an odd number of courses no meat and you start eating at uh, when the first star is visible in the night sky and you always leave a seat empty for the Christ child, he has stood us up every year, but we leave the chair open. <laughs> it's like it's like at Passover Seder, leaving the chair for Elijah. Um, you know, so that's how my family does. But now I would suspect that even between my household and my sisters, now that we're all grown and half of us, uh, half of them have children, you know, it's going to be a completely different scene on Christmas Eve than it was for us growing up. Yeah, I think that's the same here, to be honest. Do you have anything crazy in Italy, though? The thing with Italy is that I don't really remember Christmases out there because I was so young. I know I've never heard. really experienced What's that? I know you've mentioned before, but there's the Day of the Kings, but that's nothing to do with Christmas, is it? The Day of the Three so Kings January? is Epiphany, it's the 6th of January. That's the, Yeah, it's Epiphany. Yeah. Right, yeah, That's when a lot of people in, in Spain, Italy and France get their Christmas presents because they believe that the Three Kings bring that's presents what... to to them because they brought the presents to Jesus. Hmm. That's what that's kind of, I knew of some vagueness. But that's not a thing for us because we're not a Catholic country. No, no, we're not. We're just this weird... And we can't be asked to wait. We, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I want, I want presents on Christmas. <laughs> so, so, so speaking of waiting... When, generally speaking, do people do their decorations? So this year, people did it earlier because 2020 sucked. Because we needed it, yeah. yeah. Uh, I would say generally, most people, the first or second weekend in December, that people put their trees up. It depends when the first of December falls. Like, if the first of December falls on a Monday, it's always the weekend before that. So it can be 28th, 29th of November. If the first is, like, midway through the week, like a Wednesday... It, it's normally I'd probably say more in love with Megan said so kind of a week or maybe a week or so before Christmas but it's never I can't say I've seen anyone with like mid-November or anything like I last... know someone that put their tree up this year before Halloween that's sickening <laughs> you shouldn't be allowed to do that I'd say after <laughs> Thanksgiving in America is when yeah. people can put their I Christmas I mean we, we put our tree up this year on the 29th of November but that was like a Saturday wasn't it it was a Sunday and we were planning on putting it up on the 1st of December but because it was midweek we just decided to put it up slightly so earlier it's, it's normally the month of December and then you've got a certain amount of days after I think oh, it's the 12 say... days of Christmas Oh, it could... See, we always took ours down on January sixth because yes, that was it's the last day, yeah, the, the, the twelfth day of Christmas. Yeah. Yes, that's when we was, that's when we took ours down. I, I suspect my mom will leave uh, hers up rather later this year. It being so such a difficult year, all, all told. Um, in there's a lot of people in the U.S. will put theirs up after they've cleared the table from Thanksgiving. Like it's, we go, some people go immediately into Christmas, Christ. and normally it bothers me but this year whatever you need to do to get through this year it's fine by me it's a-okay i am sticking to my family's tradition which is um putting the tree up very late because my father had grown up uh, incredibly poor like no carpeting on the floor like so far on the wrong side of the tracks they couldn't hear the train like really really poor and so they would go to sleep in in the Christmas Eve, the living room looks normal. They wake up and there's a tree with decorations and presents. Uh, so the tree was part of Christmas morning for them. So the earliest my dad would ever let us do it, I think one year, the 20th, was the earliest oh, we could wow. talk him into it. 
because he had to assemble the artificial tree. So it all kind of hinged on his willingness to do it. <laughs> yeah, with us, it, it kind of depends because I don't think there's like a specific hard and fast rule, but usually it's it, normally the first two weeks in December is I when think... the majority do. But also people do put their presents under there. So it kind of, once people start gift giving, more so when you're a child, like when I was younger, my parents would be really on the Christmas tree because then when you start getting Christmas gifts from people, you know, your gifts go under the tree and you can stare at them and, oh my God, I'm so excited. And then, you know, when I became a teenager and kind of became angsty and apathetic towards happiness, it, it just meant I wasn't as excited about Christmas and therefore they didn't bother to put the trip quite early. Yeah, I also think it depends, like you said earlier, Moxie, about the different households. Mm-hmm. I think it's respective and different traditions within different people's households. Like I know that my friend her family always put the Christmas tree up on the 16th of December. And so, like, it's just that's what they do in their house. I mean, in my house, there's never been a specific We've never had a specific day. day. It's either. just kind of when we can be bothered to <laughs> yeah. put the tree up. <laughs> that's what I'm like. This year, I was like, I can't be asked. And Megan was like, I'd like to this day. I was like, okay, I'll do it whenever you want. Just, they're, they're all equally good. Just whenever you feel like it. Yeah. 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 And so... Go, go on to your next... Uh, Dude, I love how we have this list and we've looked at it once. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I am, I am ready to answer what I consider to be the the big cultural question uh, from your list. See if you can guess which one I think is. Is it the one that you highlighted? Is it the one that you've highlighted? <laughs> is it the Hallmark movies chat channel? <laughs> I might have moved my cursor. <laughs> <laughs> that was cheaters. Uh, we should have not said anything. We just my really my mum goes absolutely nuts for Hallmark movies. I didn't even know she what She will watch them, like, year-round. She goes absolutely crazy for watching American, People like, cheesy it. American Christmas Elaine movies. Elaine and Beth from work, when, as soon as it gets to, like, des- December 1st, once Netflix unleashes the tidal wave of crap Christmas movies, Hallmark Christmas movies, and really old-school ones, people just want to go yeah. for them. there's, like, ones with, like, actors that you like knew from when they're they were younger all the same yeah <laughs> they're all the same and I, I nothing against your mother i don't know her i'm sure she's a wonderful woman you seem lovely i'm sure she's great too hallmark movie hallmark christmas movies are for basic bitches <laughs> just generally speaking they are for the prosecco brunch set they are for the hashtag starbucks crew the people that get um, the uh the spiced pumpkin lattes at pumpkin yeah. spice now admittedly i do like them that is some good stuff but you're basically just drinking pumpkin pie custard at that point it doesn't you know there may or may not even be coffee in it i can't confirm but it's really pretty good you got everybody's got to have it once okay but um the, the thing with the Hallmark Channel, and it, it, it was started by the Hallmark Greeting Card Company, which is probably why everything is so schmaltzy. Just so... Uh, for those who don't speak Yiddish, schmaltz refers to chicken fat, and the word schmaltzy refers to something that is overly rich. Also can apply to things that are sickly sweet or just completely overdone. And that would be Hallmark Christmas Movies. In 2018, I did look up a few facts. I prepared a little bit. Between the two Hallmark networks, who knew there were two of them? They they shot 37 movies. Is that just specifically Christmas? In films? 2018, they shot 37 of these damn things. I couldn't even name. Are they are they just Christmas movies? They're all the same. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and it's apparently real easy to do because they're all the same. Oh, yeah, like, and I mean, the ones that I've watched is like, oh, no, girl's lonely. She needs to go to a she party. Works she works too hard. She doesn't have a boyfriend, but she needs to show her parents and family that she has a boyfriend. So she goes on. Yeah, it's everything she takes that's a random guy. About, <laughs> it's everything that's awful about rom-coms, minus the com, with bad sweaters. And, just everything and rom-coms are just the most worthless movie genre. And, you know that there is that without redemption and generally get you to root for bad people doing bad things that would get you arrested if you did them in real life but these movies they're so non-threatening in their formulaic nature it's like going to a franchise burger place you you pretty much know what you're going to experience and that's what you sought out and you're going to get it and you're like ah this is the thing I wanted. This is the familiar thing. They even will cast the same actors and actresses in several of these things. And yeah, it often is people whose best days are perhaps behind them. I distinctly uh, like... remember watching one that had um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch in it. Oh, me- not Melissa. Melissa Joan Hart. Yeah. And Melissa. then there was another one that had AC Slater in it from uh, Saved by the Bell. Are you, whoa, are, now, are you, are you aware... Are you aware, speaking of, of um, Mario Lopez in go. movies, hold on, I got to get this up because you guys have been Googling and now it is my turn to Google because <laughs> there is a thing happening that I cannot explain. The Lifetime Channel, Lifetime Television for Women, which is basically like made for TV movies about women survived a terrible abusive relationship and also here's some true crime of women killing their husbands Christ. that's the lifetime channel wow what a what a delight <laughs> <laughs> please the the entire podcast sphere owes its existence to the women <laughs> to women listening to true crime yeah, that is a huge chunk <laughs> okay. of a kfc lifetime movie with Mario Lopez starring as a sexy Colonel Sanders called A Recipe for Seduction. Right, Mike, download it right now. <laughs> I, no, I actually saw the, the poster for this. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I saw it on Twitter. I used to love AC And, and you saw it and you're like, oh, come on, someone's taking the piss with Photoshop. That is exactly what it was, what it was called, A Recipe for Seduction. Recipe for Seduction. seduction. Okay, yeah, I saw that and I thought, that can't be real. Um I assumed it was going to be like just an online <laughs> video and like a 90 to 300 second long mini movie, just a long commercial, basically. And we're all going to have a good laugh. No, it's it's longer than that. And it aired on television. That and is crazy. Who's in it with him? You need more than that. You need, what? You need more than <laughs> Mario <laughs> Lopez as a sexy Colonel. Se- okay, sexy Colonel Sanders is a, a string of words that should not exist. I mean, you know, I don't... my mother, my, my mom was in radio in the 60s and 70s, and she actually um, interviewed Harlan Sanders, I think, more than once. And she described him as both a uh, southern gentleman and a dirty old man. So to think <laughs> of any to have anybody thinking of Harlan Sanders as sexy is really weird to me. That's so weird. Yeah. That's clearly when you've got to the point where you're like, I just need money, don't I? Mario Lopez, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, to be fair though, if I was, if someone said that to me, he said, hey Mike, right, we've got a new movie coming out, what is it? It's <laughs> KFC, it's a KFC seduction. movie, is that what? You mean it's sponsored by KFC? No, 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 you're, you're playing Colonel Sanders, I'd be like, you know what, get me free KFC for life, I'll be in on that. I'll be a sexy <laughs> Colonel Sanders, why not? I don't sound, I could be like his British equivalent, his weird yeah, cousin. Yeah, maybe. 
I don't know. You could be Mr. Wimpy. I think that's as close as you're going to get. Mr. Oh, Wimpy. Wimpy Burger. God, there's only about four Wimpy <laughs> there's Burgers. There's hardly any Wimpy Burgers now. now. I know. That was a deep cut for your for your side of the audience. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I, I, I can't believe that there's that many <laughs> films that came out that are solely Christmas movies. I don't even know. Like, I can't even. Why are there two channels for it, though? Plus one. I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's <laughs> just so many of them. I don't know why it exists at all. If you were to just Google Hallmark Christmas movie, you would probably see a graphic that's been going around lately of all of the like cover art. I know there's no physical copies of these things anymore, but all of the, the poster art, and they're all identical. It, the, the setting is identical. The people are completely interchangeable. Just, they're all white, uh, naturally, just across the board, white Gentiles. Hallmark has been trying to make Hanukkah movies because there's no inclusivity, diversity, or representation in these films, like, at all. And speaking as a member of the tribe, we would just assume they didn't bother because they're not doing a very good job. It's a bit like like a vegan meat substitute. (laughs) You know, don't make it try to be meat. Let it be... Vegan let it jerky. be. Let it make a make a lovely vegetable dish with these lovely vegetables. Don't try to force them into a hamburger patty, you know. <laughs> so that's kind of what they're doing with these Hanukkah movies. Is they're they're not being offensive necessarily. They're just. Did you? You got to be near Hollywood at some point. Find a Jew. That's where they all are. You know? <laughs> the, the, well, that's where half of them are. The other half are in New York. But yeah, find a Jew and ask and ask them. And until then, please stop making Hanukkah movies. It's funny you should say that because I've actually met, I met when I was traveling around Europe, I met someone who was American, who was Jewish, and he was from LA. Well, it's it's because entertainment was one of the, the areas that uh, Jews were basically allowed to work in. All of the old medieval prohibitions against Jews owning property, owning businesses, uh, the different kinds of trade they can do. None of that was in force legally, but it all really stuck around culturally for centuries. And it's one of the reasons that so many Jews became songwriters and actually wrote the Christmas carols that we all, speaking about our side, that we all grew up singing. Because I know that, you know, we don't sing all the same Christmas carols. And today I found myself wondering, Away in the Manger has the exact same lyrics on both sides of the pond completely different melody really really completely different melody that's so and then today today i was starting to to research it but i was a bit busy and apparently it was written by martin luther and i'm like i really need to get back to this research because this looks like it's going to be interesting as hell i I assume yeah because you don't mean martin luther king i assume you mean martin luther was he the the bible gentleman the guy with the nails yeah yeah he translated the bible yeah yeah He, he had he had some grievances and a hammer at least I'm thinking it because it just said Martin Luther, but I'm like, crap! I got to get back to the other thing I'm doing, and I never got and I never got back to it. My day has fallen very far behind schedule. Um, so, yeah, because our your away in a manger is is kind of lilty. It sounds a little bit like uh, "Come Ye Shepherds," which I only know that song because it was one of the eight Christmas carols that played on a nonstop loop at the Bush Gardens theme park when I was selling my wares <laughs> in the German Christmas market. I used to make goat milk soap and skincare products. Oh, cool. And so for five weeks every year, I got to listen to the same eight German Christmas carols <laughs> playing over and over oh, and Lord. over again. And, uh, but our, our Away in the Manger 
it's not somber, but it's definitely not, I think the melody's not as nice. And one thing I'm going to look into, just as soon as I have a free moment, were these melodies meant to go together? Was this, were they meant to harmonize? I don't know how they sound together. I really should have researched for out my mouth, but... No, that's really interesting. It's it's the same lyrics, but a completely different melody. It's interesting how they would do that, because... I mean, the thing is with Christmas carols and Christmas music is my least favourite thing about all of Christmas is Christmas caroling and music. That's generally... I. It, the worst thing, like we said about where how early do you put on like Christmas decorations and things like that, one of the big hot topics is how early can places play Christmas music. And my general rule is, from December 1st, it's free game. Before that, you aggravate me. But certain... Um, big supermarkets or shops or department stores like the range is a big one they'll start playing it like six weeks before christmas and they've got the licensing for like 40 songs so they've just played the same 40 christmas songs yeah and i am lifelong retail and i don't mean i'm like a retail manager i mean i am frontline cashier customer service retail and i'm 41 years old and that's as far as i'm going to get in life apparently i was so relieved when I got a job at uh, an Aldi near my house because there are no speakers. Oh yeah, there are there no are speakers no speakers. In Aldi, no. Oh, yeah. They cannot they cannot play music at me. <laughs> I cannot be made to listen to Christmas carols because we got to put the Christmas stuff out November first. But I am safe from Mariah Carey and that f- song. So do you, you do you class? the Mariah Carey song as a Christmas carol because I wouldn't class that as a Christmas carol. Well, I mean, it's carol. a Christmas cash grab, but <laughs> it, it's, it definitely falls under the heading of, of Christmas music. And uh, I, don't, you know, I don't know if they still do it, but one of the radio stations here in Richmond would change its format on Thanksgiving Day to be just Christmas music Oof. until the day after Christmas. And that's Christ. what they did every year. It was it was the easy listening station anyway, not a big loss. Um, but but yeah, so you would you'd hear like the modern stuff and the Michael Bublé and things <laughs> like that, and then you'd hear um, you know like a, a Judy Garland, "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas," and Gene Autry, "Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer," those mid century mm. classics. Yeah. yeah, I don't. Yeah, because because there's there's really there's really not much. And now I'm trying to think is like there's the mid-century and then there's the now. Because for me, Christmas kind of carols. There's gap in the middle. Christmas carols for me is like, but it's difficult because I don't know if you have these songs. It's like Hark the Herald Angels Sing and yeah. A Little Town of Bethlehem and Away in a Manger. Well, I think a lot of the religious night. ones America will have. Yeah, no, but I mean, yeah, what the, the, Victor- the, the kind of Victorian religious yeah, ones. Yeah, that's what I associate as being a Christmas carol, whereas all of the others I associate with being Christmas songs. I feel songs. like if there's more than one person singing at one time it's basically a carol i think the only exception of that is probably um it could be christmas every day i wouldn't say that's a christmas carol but if you go caroling you wouldn't sing all i want for christmas is you yeah, but that's because it's her singing they that's what might I'm <laughs> but I'm, i think that a carol counts as probably before the turn of the century and also it has to be at least two people singing it at once because that's kind of it's maybe because a carol is maybe a group isn't it so it's like you know when you hear it away i don't in know manger, is it carol Definition. That's literally what I'm doing. You can both do it. You see what a different... religious folk song or popular hymn, particularly one associated with Christmas. It doesn't list a minimum number of participants. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why I but think I'd the say... traditional religious ones are Christmas carols. Yeah. Now, to go caroling, you definitely need people, because if you're doing that by yourself, yeah, 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 somebody's yeah. going to call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to end up on a list. I didn't. So it's so weird. Do, do people Christmas... I'm assuming people Christmas carol in America... 
Do they go around knocking on St- people's doors and sing? Statistically, it has to happen somewhere. I have never in my life seen it. So I... But but then it, but then again, where I live, in the house I've lived in for the last 20 years, um, we're set back behind a, behind a neighborhood, behind the woods. Right. And I, I learned a few years ago, I am the witch <laughs> that the neighborhood parents scare their children with, <laughs> which was the single greatest thing I ever heard. And, and the woman's like, I've got to bring my daughter over. She's grown now. And I'm like, hell yes, bring her over. I want to talk to her. This is great. Because <laughs> like, if the kid, they're like, if you guys don't shut up, I'm going to take you in the woods and leave you with the witch. And they'd shut up. And I'm like, this is so cool. I'm the witch of the neighborhood. That's great. So uh, we, in 20 years, haven't even had a trick-or-treater, which is oh, a right. for sure thing that happens. And, and I, I've heard from some British people that you don't like as much that that particular coca colonization which is my favorite term um has uh, has taken root over there that's american culture spreading via capitalism coca colonization <laughs> nice so with <laughs> but yeah. with caroling like i remember i used to do it in prime when i was younger when i was like seven or eight but i experienced christmas caroling i can't really i can't remember if you were there mike or it might have been somebody else it might have been my was cousin the end of the house? yeah no i i do remember were that. you there yeah, but I didn't want to come see. No, I so Caroling. we were. So I lived. I lived in Andover, which is a small town in. No one in England knows where that is. No, let alone Americans. That's not true. People know where Andover is. That'd be ridiculous. No but, one has any idea. So it, I lived in a really small part of Andover. I lived in quite like a poncy, fancy area because I was just renting this house off of this woman. Neat, I lived right. in like a, a little cottage, um, and it is the only time in my adult memory that someone has knocked on the door and sung Christmas carols and I genuinely did not know what to do. I was just stood there like, ooh, this like, is I lovely. Am or... I supposed to give you something? Like, I don't know what you, you want me to do. Oh, it's, it's got to be that same awkwardness of having happy birthday sung to you. It's like, great, <laughs> I just get to stand here and smile until you're finished. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's one of the things that you said before, Megan, when we were in the early days of us dating and I said jokingly, would you like me to... Um, uh, serenade you with a song and you're like there's nothing I'd like less like, yeah that's literally like, nope, my worst absolutely nightmare. not because it's just it's same as happy birthday same as caroling it's just let's just stand here and wait for this person to stop making mouth noises <laughs> as into their own pleasure and I, I hate Christmas caroling if people want to go Christmas caroling and want to you know, stand in a square and sing Christmas music at Christmas time be my guest because I can walk away if you come to my door I will not greet you with smiles and well I'm hoping nobody's doing it this year no, well, I don't, no, no. I mean, yeah. trick or treating yeah. didn't happen it's, this year either at all. Yeah, not 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 happening this year. I I it happens maybe sometimes if it's like a church group or or a youth group, and they're also maybe gathering uh, donations for for something. Maybe, but just people. Hey, let's go caroling. Nah, <laughs> you know, it's just not not a thing. Not a thing. Uh, but I think, and this is on our list too. That that old-fashioned sing-song kind of thing, definitely more British is my impression. The likelihood of breaking out into a group song mm. seems to be, especially for Christmas stuff, seems to be more of a, a British thing than an American thing. In, well, it's weird because we watch a lot of... Um... It seems it's lo- like it's a an upper class thing. Well, yeah, because we watched a lot of the Crown recently. Yeah, yeah, we've been watching we've the Crown. We're like, oh, this is nothing. How any of us actually? <laughs> they randomly start bursting into song playing the piano, which is something that we definitely part. don't Prin- do. Princess Margaret, when she's having 
like just before she has some sort of horrendous downer, she ends up getting drunk, smoking cigarettes, and I playing have, piano loads. Yeah, I have seen a lot of Christmas movies that are American where people have been sat around like a piano and they've started singing. But again, that kind of links to the people, fact that it's probably a Hallmark movie well, more also, than anything. People don't generally have pianos. They're no, very no, expensive. I know. That's yeah, why I mean, that's why I mean it's an upper class thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, over here, yeah. with, with English and breaking out into songs, I'd say it's really random. There's no, there's no real pattern to it. I, I don't think I know anyone who sings with their family at Christmas nest like fully like occasionally if a song comes on a little kid starts dancing to it or something everyone may sing a little bit of it but like someone picking I think I think you're more likely to do it when you have small kids yeah yeah I think the family singing the Christmas carols that's more of a childhood thing because when we would be in the car at Christmas time we would we would absolutely all sing together. We would do the, the the twelve days of Christmas, and the the line five gold rings was reserved for for my father's baritone, <laughs> and, and he would he would just really ham it up doing the five gold rings, and then we the girls would all jump back in for the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, we, we, I, I so maybe it's just kids and TV and movies that are making us think that it's a thing or just people that are musically talented as well yeah well people generally speaking if you're at a gathering and someone picks up an instrument unprovoked they're a douchebag generally speaking it's like (laughs) i've been to more so my youth but the amount of parties i've been to or hosted and someone brings a guitar and you're all like like, oh "Oh, it's the guy with the guitar yeah, and it gets like eleven. He's normally o'clock. got dreadlocks. Yeah, eleven <laughs> dreadlocks are at least lo- really, really long hair, and then it gets to like eleven o'clock um, p.m. and then they start singing a song that no one wants to hear, and it's like, oh. And that seems at Christmas. If someone pulled out an acoustic guitar and say, "Let's all sing Christmas crowds," I'd be like, "I'm going elsewhere." <laughs> yeah, not a fan of that. I don't. I'm not sure with regarding um, other Christmassy things. I was just going to say, are, are there the day after Christmas? We call it Boxing Day. Do you guys call it Boxing Day? No, it's Returns Day. It's not actually called that, but that's just the day you don't want to be working customer service. Because everybody and their sainted brother has gathered up all the shit they didn't want and is trying to return it all at the same time. There really isn't any um, cultural pastiche to the, the day after Christmas. It's just, it starts that week of nobody is going to accomplish anything between Christmas and New Year's. Which, for whatever reason in my life, I always have some major project or life change that I really need to work on, and I need other people to go back to the office, please. You know, you don't need to take these <laughs> ten days off. That's my personal problem. Uh, also, also, your your mic sounds a bit odd. Uh, every word you've just ended with sounded kind of bubbly. Oh, I think actually, I think my so, computer is struggling because I'm running out of disk space. Ah, that might be why. Um, but we are basically we've we're nearing the end now. Uh, not that I specifically wanted it to end because I'm having a great old time talking to you about Christmas oh, yeah. and uh, whatnot. But um, so because your mic stuff, we vaguely wrap up. <laughs> is there, are there any other sort of because we can always do this again, like next year, not about just cr- not Christmassy. We could just do like stuff about um, Americanisms and whatnot because it's a lot of fun. Is there anything else? Uh, Christmas related that we haven't touched that you want to ask us before we head out John Lewis ads actually there's actually two <laughs> things if, if I can there's, there's two things I want to get yeah, into yeah, yeah. Uh, John Lewis ads I just we see we made our lists and then intentionally did not look up these answers ourselves mm. what kind of a, a shop is John Lewis John Lewis uh, is a department store yeah so okay. also your mic kind of I got that vibe that. Um, high cl- high class department, like uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of what I could compare it to Macy's, but I think is Macy's fancy. Uh, fancier than me, not fancy enough for some. 
Yeah, well, John Lewis yeah, is probably top, I, I, top end, apart from, like, Harrods, which is... Yeah, I would say John Lewis is kind of an equivalent to Macy, uh, Macy's. Okay, so we've... It, it, almost as a way to compare it, in, in a sense of... Um, of equivalent of like supermarkets because Emma there's a place called Marks and Spencers which is pretty much always in John Lewis's for some reason okay so Asda is basically Walmart that's all you've got like Aldi and Asda are sort of near the the bottom of the air quotes hierarchy of supermarkets and then you've got Tesco and then Sainsbury's and then above that you've got M&S which is the that and Waitrose are the two top tier supermarkets where everything is really everything's organic and free range and expensive and fancy and whatever John Lewis is that of this yeah I'd say apart from Harrods which I think there's only about three of in England and they're like they're the kind of places that you can only shop if you're like a Harrods is is crazy expensive that's like like a pair of shoes is like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds if not thousands so aside from that John Lewis is like I'd say dead middle class department store basically as high as you can go but expensive enough so that everyone could probably just about afford to shop there but unless you've got a lot of money you wouldn't go there uh, and have you seen some of the adverts that we have uh, i don't know i i kind of disagree I, I don't think john lewis is is super expensive i think for some things it is i think it's like a mid-range it's it's more towards the top tier yeah but no one shops there as a standard unless you've got a good amount of money that's what like no one no one who's on like a lower income ever goes to John Lewis. I bought my blender. From You're John not Lewis. lower income, Megan. <laughs> Neither <laughs> of us are lower income, I'm afraid. We both we were fairly well. Anyway, <laughs> John Lewis always release a Christmas advert and people go nuts for them. Megan thinks well yeah, so and, cool. and those oh, those will will make their way across via uh, social media, which uh, apparently the the real meaning of Christmas is crying because they seem They're to want so to make sad. people cry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're hella emotional. It's basically how I feel if I ever buy anyone a gift at John Lewis, just come out crying. <laughs> so, regardless of what so Megan expensive. thinks, fancy pants over here. I'm not fancy pants. <laughs> thinking that you're not, you thinking that you're poor, <laughs> and they're like, no one ever goes to John Lewis. Megan, no, they don't. No one we know goes to John Lewis unless they're over forty. The last one I can remember was like the bear sleeping through Christmas, and so all the animals like did Christmas for it. The bear oh, later yeah. or something. That was the yeah. one. Yeah, that was the one that had Lily Allen singing a song for it, wasn't it? I think so. I, I, I know the advert so you're talking say. about. Uh, what was the other uh, question you had about uh, stuff? If we've well, explained well, the genre, an- I want to answer. I want to answer one of yours, and then we're going to circle back around to one of these broad explanation ones. Because uh, you have on your list are Christmas cards uh, popular as popular oh, in America yes. as they are in Britain. Now, granted, I don't know what benchmark I'm measuring them against, but uh, mm-hmm. they are becoming less popular with each passing year just as everything in life is more electronic and not paper-based mm-hmm. um i haven't sent them in 15 years i expect i will get like five this year maybe and two or three of them will be from well i got one from my vet <laughs> you know and i felt so bad for all <laughs> like, like they made everybody in the office sign it i'm like oh my god how many cards did you poor girls have to sign and then one from my aunt, who includes her little um, index card-sized summary of her year. I'm like, oh, she's learning Swedish. That's nice. <laughs> we don't even have enough to bother displaying. We get so few of them anymore. And I think just as all paper media falls out of fashion, Christmas cards are going with it. At school, I think school, that's the same here. When, I, when we were at school, um, which was... 10 years ago we finished we graduated school so it's probably about 15 years ago or so I remember most kids would 
write out 30 odd Christmas cards and everyone would give them to everyone it was quite pointless I think it was more of a primary school thing than a secondary school thing yeah so in America that sounds like that sounds like Valentine's Day we do that in Valentine's Day where you've (laughs) got to bring Valentine's cards for the whole class you Uh, have to bring I don't know why young school yeah just in in when you're like seven it's Before you understand what well, lovely you, it is. No, I understand the concept, Micah. That's just so odd. <laughs> the whole point of Lan- we, Valentine's Day is, is giving a card to It's supposed to be fancy, romantic it? love. Like, it's. I think it's just like a pointless busy work day so the teacher can get some desk work done. Because you, you <laughs> will sometimes you sometimes make uh, like a little mailbox out of construction paper. And then you go around. Everybody goes around to everybody else's desks and, and puts the... And they're not proper cards. They, they're like the size of, your, of a... Um, credit card usually these these little things that come oh right okay 50 to 50 to a pack sometimes they might have a lollipop stuck in them um but you just you know go around <laughs> they left batman on it for christ's sake you know it's not really romantic um but it's just this thing we do because it seems like we've always done it i see yeah, we definitely don't do that yeah we don't do that now the the thing i i would like you to do another broad explanation of like you did with the christmas crackers something else that is completely <laughs> foreign to the american experience Please tell my listeners, what the hell is panto? Pantomimes. Oh, I hate yes, so I get much. to watch a pantomime oh, on Friday, and I'm God. so excited. Wait, how about, you? Because if you say pantomime you... to an American, we're thinking you mean a mime, like you're you're so you're odd. acting something out without words. That's what pantomime means here. But it's like a whole theatrical show, right? Yeah, you yeah, guys, yeah. you guys are lucky over there. So what we're going to do? Megan's going to explain what pantomime is, and then I'm going to explain what pantomime is. They're going to be slightly <laughs> different things because I absolutely I love hate this idea, them, and Megan really likes them. I'm I'm in the middle. I I so I I loved pantomimes when I was younger. As I've grown older, I don't like them so much because they're more of a a thing terrible. for children to enjoy. Terrible, terrible. Basically, what pantomimes are is it's normally um, a like fairy tale kind of story, so like Jack and the Beanstalk or like Peter Pan, Peter Pan, Aladdin, that Cinderella. kind of thing, Cinderella. Basically, any Disney movie, yeah, from before like the seventies. But it's turned into <laughs> essentially kind of like an interactive play, and they get audience participation. So the the main uh, female protagonist that is like normally, so there's always going to be the love story between the the female and the male, huh? Compare it to Hairspray. What no? Well, that's how I, I. I don't want to compare it to Hairspray. Let me. Hairspray. I thought I was telling this story, <laughs> and you're interrupting my explanation. <laughs> it, it sounds like a more complex narrative because, as far as I knew, it also involves two guys in a horse costume. Yeah. So I, I keep hearing references yeah. to panto horses. Yeah. So so normally there's obviously the the main story, and then the uh, there's always going to be a, a man dressed as a woman characteristically in in a panto because that's funny um so it it's 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 just a bit of silliness it's for for children to get involved so they'll the villain will come out onto the stage and they'll be like oh no where's the villain and then the the whole audience will be like he's behind you and then he'll turn around and the villain will have disappeared and then he'll turn around and then we'll be like he's behind you okay this does sound like it's for children (laughs) 
It is very much for children. Oh, even when I was a child, I hated it. So, yeah, my basic version of it is essentially the same. It's a story you've heard a billion times. They rewrite it and always make it worse. The main person <laughs> is always a man dressed up as a woman, but clearly not trying to look like a woman. And then there's constant jokes throughout the whole thing about the fact that the woman looks like a man, which is apparently funny. Oh, but and also, also and get, no, no, no. Oh, wait, they fall, someone always falls in love with them. Normally the bad guy. Normally he goes, oh my God, that woman, she's enchanting. What is her? And, and normally the people from the from from the pantomime are people that like used to be in soap operas. Yes, <laughs> they're people like, that used to be on television. Like there's one or two main people who are famous-ish, and they normally one guy is normally someone yeah who's in like a uh, old TV show, and now he's playing the woman version. Like the fairy godmother is always a man. The fairy godmother is always, yeah, a, man, always yeah. a man. Um, yeah, there's normally all the sets are often quite more so they used to be terrible now they're just okay but they're not high production things it's a lot of audience participation as Megan said but a lot of the time it's a a, uh, the baddie who will yell out to the crowd oh I'm gonna get them and I'm gonna win and then some will yell out yeah they'll boo and sis and then then hiss and then someone the goodie on the stage will go oh no he wasn't and then the crowd will yell that with them and then the the baddie will go oh yes I did oh no and it does that for like five (laughs) it does go on for quite a while oh my god but then at the end they normally get kids to come up on stage and they do something fun so that the kids can win prizes and I have been one of those kids before that's why she likes it and I don't because I'm not I haven't been bribed (laughs) Mike was neglected and didn't no I've been on stage I just hate (laughs) it bitter um, <laughs> he is bitter the panto horse though yeah it's basically just oh, yeah, the panto it's horse. always the thing is the pantomime is i guess it used to be funny before you know the last five decades of comedy existed, i think it has reduced quite considerably in the past few years people realize it sucks the thing is is that it's basically if, if people watch like monty monty python is almost a good reference point for people who like monty python if you get every monty python joke that doesn't land you put that in a stage performance with children participation, men dressed as women, and rewriting old stories to make them slightly worse. Generally, that's kind of what you've got. Also, in the low budget, they've, that's why the pantomime horse. They are comes normally in. fairly low budget because they're they're always just. There's almost like three tiers of theatre. You've got like the proper high tier theatre, then you've got kind of mid range, the low ones. That's where all pantomimes play, except the one or two travelling ones. The, the big ones but it is a specific Christmas thing you don't get pantomimes at any other point no, in do. the year do you? yes unfortunately do you? yeah I see billboards at them all the time they're not as common there's normally I've like, never ever seen a pantomime there's normally like one Christmas. or two they, they are for kids just to clarify but a lot of kids will hate them because they're just cheesy self-referencing and the jokes are really lame and they're normally not written really well they're not written by you know your Andrew Lloyd Webbers of theatre even though I have questions about him anyway but you don't <laughs> yeah let's shoot a little higher than that yeah Andrew uh, Lloyd Webber is a forest it's, it's, not, it's not Mel Brooks <laughs> yeah exactly so it, it's just they're really 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 cheesy and yeah they mainly come out of Christmas and you know kids schools almost always play them because they're really easy to put together because they're super well normally normally people do school trips to go to the panto um this year obviously it's slightly different because of covid but we're streaming one so on friday for year seven and eight they are streaming a pantomime and because i'm teaching year seven and eight i have to show them it to them so i'm very excited because i get to watch the panto and she'll come home and tell you all about And I'm going to do all of the jokes. Detail. I'm basically going to reenact the entire pantomime just for Mike. Well, the thing is, is I, I don't, I've been getting more into theatre since I've been dating you because you really love, uh, you know, musicals and stuff. And I'm, who's that famous, Paul O'Grady? He Paul O'Grady to... is, um, oh, I can never remember his drag name. But, but I've, a... I've seen him as, as, as a, 
as dressed in his drag yeah, he's um, very for drag pantomimes. Yeah. I, I think, am I right in thinking this, Moxie? Is it kind of come from where in when theatre sort of started, let's say Shakespearean-ish times, women were never allowed to act because they just weren't because of rights and stuff. So men would play women's roles because there were no women, essentially. And then... Yeah, yeah you, you'd get your most attractive teenage boy to uh, to play the heroine. I think it was because they assumed women probably couldn't handle the mental strain of it because that's usually why women would be precluded from things. Like, oh, she can't possibly do math. <laughs> Singular. <laughs> I'm going to stress that. We, we'll get into our debate of maths versus sport. It gets even worse when it, it goes into Spanish because you have to make all of the adjectives agree with the word maths. So when you're saying, I like maths, it'll be, I like the maths because they are fun. <laughs> now, I, now I'm going to have to like ask someone from America who learns Spanish, uh, not, so like not a native bilingual person, if they learn it in a plural or a singular, because of course we use singular math to refer to any and all math collectively or individually. Yeah. And then on the flip side, we say sports... Uh, plural, unless we're talking about a specific sport, whereas in British English, sport means can mean the entire pantheon of all types of sports. Yeah. Yeah, but we don't call. We're kind of reversed on that. Yeah, we call it in, when we're in school. We don't have sport. We or sports. We have PE. Physical yeah, physical education. education. That's what. Yeah. Well, no, I'm talking about like not yeah, gym we're talking class, about but, sport. but sports. Oh, just in general sports. Yeah, the general collective yeah. of sport. I don't we, think ours is singular, theirs is plural. I don't think I've ever, I. I so few. I so rarely talk about sport that. I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, 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 me. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I think. I mean, sorry. I was just looking at pantomime stuff to see if I can find a Michael Ball and pantomime. Um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like we could talk about this forever, but I. It is getting a bit later now. On yeah, this you were you were shooting for us to stop on the hour. It's thirty three past. No, it, it was more just like a general goal because obviously here it's like ten thirty p.m. and oh, Megan's got work tomorrow. I do have work tomorrow, so I need you have to, to do, do with kids. Whereas I'm here homeworking, so yeah, exciting stuff. So he'll just be sitting back in his uh, pajama po- pajama bottoms with his feet on the coffee table, laughing at you. Yeah, literally, more or less. I mean, I, mean, I do get <laughs> backache and neckache now, so we're looking at improving the home office, which is currently just a sofa and a lap tray. But it's <laughs> um, wonderful. Do you want people to know where you people find you, Megan? I mean, if people are interested in, in finding me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram uh, at Grits Gets Fit. And it's where I track my uh, weight and health journey. And that's G-R-I-T-T-S, Grits Gets Fit. I just want to spell I'm that glad you clarified that because we would spell grits differently. Yes. Yeah, because that's a different type of food. <laughs> well, it's another food. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. We're back. We're back to it. What is, I didn't know it was a food. I thought maybe it was a short version of your last name. Is it is a short version of my last name. That, okay. is, that is the okay. case. What kind of food? Yeah, and, and uh, grits. To, to sum up grits very quickly, it's sort of like the country cousin of polenta. Oh, yeah. Megan loves polenta. I do like polenta. I only found out what polenta was literally recently. Awesome, cool. Well, with that fun fact out of the way, the fun fact about me. Um, I have a podcast called Genuine Chit Chat, uh, and I have honest conversations with interesting people, and the very interesting Moxie Labouche has been on the show before, uh, so you can go check that out as well in the 
magic back catalogue of episodes. And you can find me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. And if you really like Star Wars, I have a Star Wars podcast called Star Wars Comics in Canon, and that is found on the feed of Comics in Motion. New episodes of Genuine Chit Chat are out on Sundays, and new episodes of Star Wars Comics in Canon are out on Saturdays. Good plug. Yeah, we definitely Wonderful. need to, to do this like every six months or so. Yeah, we just we just watch loads and loads because we watch lots of American content and you watch like a bit of uh, UK content. And we just, yeah, I mean, because you mentioned Blackadder already. I bloody love Blackadder. I want to clarify. Blackadder, oh, yeah, no, I was, just, I was just rewatching it this week because I'll just put it on and I don't even need to look because I have it the entire thing memorized. Yeah, I mean, season one is basically just like, have you ever seen Mr. Bean? I don't know if that's in America. The, ma- the guy Mr. who Bean's plays worldwide. Okay, yeah, Mr. Bean is move, famous. Move, move over Pitbull because Mr. Bean is Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> there you go. Well, it has been another fabulous time talking. Megan, it was great getting to virtually meet you and uh, and getting <laughs> yeah, all that nice extra insight from different parts of Europe. So that was like a bonus. Yeah. I mean, it's been obviously it was lovely. Yeah, it was lovely meeting you. you. And um, yeah, we'll definitely have to uh, sort this out again midway through the year or something next year or whenever springtime or something or uh, have another thing we'll just keep doing this until we've run out of things to ask each other there's gonna be so oh, many i'm pretty things. sure we'll find enough on. to compare and contrast <laughs> we'll find more oh, things yeah. to compare and contrast and next year we can debate which one's better merry christmas or happy christmas i mean merry christmas i was gonna say merry christmas oh good i won yay <laughs> <laughs> wonderful well cool well and what we'll do uh, just to clarify as well boxy um with editing and whatnot did you want to do it separately or did you want me to do it and ping it over to you what's your sort of uh no why don't we each edit it for our own show so i'll send you my half you send yep. me your half and then you do what's good for your your feed and i'll do what's good for my feed yeah no worries till you can edit out all of your swearing <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. We were good. Like, legitimately, yeah, I, I can't really help good. it. We were good and you weren't. That was, that's the funniest part. I said to Megan, okay, you can swear a bit, but try not to swear. And then Moxie was the one swearing on her own show that doesn't allow it. It was just a bit and we can fix it in post, which I'm allowed to say because I'm the one that fixes it in post. Okay, well, on that fabulous note, why don't we actually wrap it up? This is a a hell of a Jewish goodbye we're having here. And I will talk to you guys, hopefully, sometime later. Yeah, definitely. We'll speak to you you guys. We'll speak to you soon, Moxie. Bye. 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 And that's where we run out of ideas, at least for today. I don't really have much of a closer for the show because I didn't have much of an opener. But suffice it to say... Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and stay safe.